Hey everyone, welcome to Tech Talk on News Talk 1010. I hope you've been enjoying this weekly show over the past couple of years. This is my 101st show, in fact, where my goal is to not only celebrate technology, but also to demystify it. I have to say, I wouldn't be anywhere without my title sponsor, so a quick shout out to them. Tech Talk is brought to you by the all-new next-generation Chevrolet Equinox, the right vehicle to experience it all in style. Learn more at chevrolet.ca. I also want to thank Bell and The Source for helping to make this show happen. Okay, we have a great show planned for you this hour. In a minute or so from now, we'll catch up with journalist, author, and speaker Scott Steinberg, who has a new book coming out about social media for parents. After that, we'll talk about new high-tech fitness equipment, a new treadmill that has some cool smarts to it, including support for an app. We'll talk with the Knowledge Society about getting kids more engaged in STEM studies, science, technology, engineering, and math, in order to help them get a well-paying high-tech job. And finally, we'll chat with a Montreal-based virtual reality developer called Arnouveau about a pink concert that was recorded and broadcasted live in VR. Okay, on to our first guest. How's this for irony? While it's the parents' job to protect our children, the kids tend to know more about technology than mom and dad, including how to navigate online. Understandably, many parents feel helpless because of this digital divide. Thankfully, there are books available like The Modern Parent's Guide to Facebook and Social Networks by Scott Steinberg, a leading technology author, journalist, and keynote speaker. And guess what? We've got him on the line right now to tell us about his upcoming book out August 22nd, both in print and online. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Mark. How's it going? Great. Thank you. Congratulations. Another book under your belt. I know you've been at this for a while. Appreciate it. Yeah, this one, I think, is one of the most important we've ever written. As you pointed out there, the roles of student and teacher in many ways have been reversed because kids know more about social networks than parents. They've been around a lot fewer years, but kids have been more immersed in it and almost are like digital natives. It's second nature to them. So we're doing everything we can to help educate, raise awareness. But the great part is social networks can be hugely beneficial for kids and adults alike, especially when enjoyed together. Yeah. So, you know, so going back to what you were saying, kids are the digital natives. They grew up with this and they understand it. It's uh, very intuitive to them. Yet us, our, the older generation, we are digital immigrants by comparison. We had to learn and adapt to this new world, learn the language and learn how to navigate its waters where with the kids very natural, yet they might still be missing on some of those sort of common sense things like oversharing and things that were still applicable pre-internet days that mom and dad can still impart uh, on them. And I'm sure your book covers uh, that kind of thing. Uh, But I know the book is called The Modern Parent's Guide to Facebook and Social Networks, but probably the kids are less on Facebook and more on the likes of Snapchat and Instagram. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's part of the challenge for parents is as fast as they can seem to learn one of the networks and its features, they tend to change. Kids' interests move to other popular ones. Facebook, of course, declining in popularity to some extent amongst the age group. But the big piece of this, as you pointed out, is there's a lot of common sense pieces and a lot of etiquette pieces and social interaction pieces that we as parents can be teaching. And a lot of it is really just getting kids to be good digital citizens online because the challenge, as you kind of point out, is the fact that there are these networks that we can't monitor in necessarily be connected with them on, or their interactions are so fleeting and so ephemeral that they're hard to keep track of and see what's happening. So really, the best you can do as a parent is attempt to prepare your kid for life in a digital world and to 
greet the challenges that they're going to find. And of course, they're going to come across questionable and controversial material. No question about that. So the only thing you can do is prepare them to greet it and make better decisions when they face those issues. Right. So banning them isn't the answer. And I think you would agree to that, Scott, because this is their lifeline to their world. Uh, Cutting them off would be a huge social hit against them. So I think that's not the answer. Software could help, but it's not foolproof. In fact, kids know how to circumvent it. Can't always be home to look over their shoulder or these devices are getting smaller now in the palm of their hand that we can't always, you know, be there. So we have to have that open discussion. And as you said at the beginning of this interview, Scott, we're chatting, by the way, with Scott Steinberg. He is the author of an upcoming book, The Modern Parent's Guide to Facebook and Social Networks. The answer is also doing it together, which I like, you know, making it a family thing. So it's not something that the kids do secretly behind mom and dad's back, but something they can do together. But I wanted to step back for a moment. We started gabbing right away because I think we're both pretty passionate about this topic. But what would you say that the goal of this book was if you had to distill it down to a sentence or two? Well, a big piece of it is getting people to think before they post and really get a better sense of how they can see the world through others' eyes and how their actions are going to impact them and the words that they say will have an effect on other people. So, of course, I'm a parent myself. And this is a topic, of course, more kids are being exposed to social networks more early on than ever before with less oversight, as you pointed out. So really with this book, what we wanted to do was raise awareness for what's going on out there, get people having positive conversations, and see if we could find a way to connect the generations and get them to help understand where each other is coming from and really think about what behaviors and habits and good decisions that we could be teaching that would equip people to better navigate these social networks and online realms going forward. So it's really about creating that conversation and making sure that it's happening in households, boardrooms and classrooms across the world. All right. So it's about what's safe to share and what's not. Uh, I'm sure you're also discussing many threats that exist Mm -hmm. today online, like uh, sexting, cyberbullying, things like identity theft, which kids probably don't even think about, but mom and dad do. So I'm I'm sure that you cover to some extent uh, many of these topics, uh, these threats that exist out there today. All the above. Yes, absolutely. And the biggest challenge that we find is kids are being encouraged to put more of themselves out there to a greater extent faster than ever before and with less of a second thought. So they're growing up in a world where they're used to sharing just about anything and everything, checking in at locations, connecting with people that even though they're quote-unquote friends online, they may not know in real life. And of course, you and I come from a world where once upon a time, things that people used to have to hunt around in your trash for weeks to find, they can now find out in the span of just a couple posts on social networks. So we're really trying to do everything we can to educate people about the dangers and threats and just browse a little bit more carefully and share a little bit more thoughtfully as they go about navigating these online realms. You bring up a good point, Scott. When Facebook first came out over a decade ago, um, it was mostly a desktop platform. So we had time to, you know, maybe take a photo out your out with your friends, and then we had time to process what we were about to share before we got home put that photo on our computer and then uploaded it through a laptop or a desktop. We had time to think twice about what we wanted to say or what wanted to share. But now with the immediacy of these mobile devices, smartwatches, smartphones that are in that every tween and teen has in their back pocket that they may not have that filter because they're quick to share without thinking about the the long-term repercussions of it. And if they're years away from a job interview, they may not think twice about a flirtatious Mm -hmm. photo or having a, a, a drink, an alcoholic drink in one hand. But sure enough, when they do go for a job after college, potential employers are going to be looking through this stuff. 
That's right. There's so much permanency of information online, and the trouble is that however you portray yourself tends to be how the world sees you. We hate to say that you judge a book by its cover, but that seems to be the way that most people think. What they see online seems to be what they take away from the exchange, and they don't always have the nuance or the context. So if you're acting goofy in the photo, if you're doing silly things, if heaven forbid you're doing something to shame somebody else, it's going to reflect poorly on you. And a lot of people don't think about that, too, that all interactions should be positive. Negativity never looks well on somebody. And of course, kids aren't thinking years into the future. The irony of this being that a lot of what we're talking about are not necessarily high-tech parenting habits so much as basic parenting habits and skills Mm -hmm. and making good decisions. Again, things that kids, we've been teaching them for years and years. We just have to make a concerted effort to make sure that we're teaching them when it comes to the world of online and social networks. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Scott Steinberg, author of the upcoming book, The Modern Parent's Guide to Facebook and Social Networks, which provides parents with expert hints, tips, and advice on how to keep kids safe on the platforms that you all know, Facebook and Snapchat, Instagram and Twitter, and navigate the complex world of social media. So as we wrap up, Scott, what comes out August 22nd? I know it's available both in print and online. Do you have any tips that you can give us aside from some that you've already shared, like having the kids think twice before oversharing? Anything else that uh, you want to leave us with? Well, I would uh, encourage parents to sit down and talk to their kids about what's going on on social networks, who they're interacting with, what types of exchanges they're having, and what they're taking away from the exchanges. Getting to chat with different types of people, okay, that's one thing. But more important is understanding what kids are going through on screen, what their takeaways seem to be. And of course, you have to set some ground rules, what's appropriate to share, what's not, when you can be online, when not, when you have to put devices away. Really making a point to be proactive about this is the biggest tip that we try and get parents to think about. So much of it is reactive when a problem arises. Before anything happens, begin the process of education and conversation, and you'll be in great shape. Right. And a lot of it starts with the parents, too. I mean, lead by example, right? I mean, if, if mom and dad are addicted to their phones at the dinner table, then guess what? <laughs> the kids are, <laughs> are going to learn that pretty quickly. And so we often have to set examples. And it's not just a kid thing, but you know, I think not to sound preachy here, but I, I think we should also lead by example because uh, kids are obviously learning a lot of this behavior from uh, mom and dad as well. Absolutely. We have to lead by example. And of course, we're always modeling. Kids are always watching, even when we think they're not. Mm -hmm. So knowing when to put the smartphone down, being smart about our online sharing habits and posting habits, this is key as well. Again, asking the questions, making a point to think before you post, and really taking time to see the world through others' eyes and think about how your choices are going to impact them online and on social media. This is a real big piece of it. It's not rocket science. That's the beauty of this. So again, as high-tech as it seems, as fast as the technology is changing, a lot of the basics stay the same from year to year, and I'm confident that parents are going to be able to get their heads around it. So have faith, have a little bit of hope. I think you'll do just fine. And where can our listeners learn more about the book or buy it online? They can check it out at www.8keynotespeaker.com, and they'll find plenty of links to the book there. All right, Scott Steinberg, congratulations. Good luck with this new book. Once again, we've been chatting with Scott Steinberg, author of The Modern Parent's Guide to Facebook and Social Networks. Take care. Thanks. All right, Mark. Thanks. Bye. He said his website kind of fast, so I'm going to give it to you again if you want to jot it down and read up about this book. It's akeynotespeaker.com. That's akeynotespeaker.com. That's Scott Steinberg's official website. And he's got all of his books listed there, by the way, this one being his latest. All right. When we return, we are going to learn about a new treadmill with a ton of tech under the hood. You may think that technology and exercising don't go hand in hand. Our guest from Italy is going to explain why the two actually work well together with a new treadmill from a company called Techno Gym. 
As we've discussed many times before on this program, technology has changed virtually every industry, and fitness is no exception. If you haven't heard of MyRun Techno Gym, it's a treadmill that has, among other high-tech features, an app that syncs with your phone or tablet to give you the ultimate running experience and to help improve the way you exercise. Joining us on the line to discuss is Marco Zambianchi, president of Techno Gym North America. Welcome to the show, Marco. Hello, Mark. Hey Thank there. you. How are you? Great. Thank you. And before we talk about my run specifically, tell us about the company Techno Gym. I love the name, by the way. Sure. <laughs> Techno Gym. So uh, you must love the name even more, thinking that it was uh, started 32 years ago in Italy by an Italian. So already thinking about an English name was uh, a drive to go international. So Techno Gym is uh, a world leader in fitness is the second largest uh, manufacturer worldwide and uh, the largest outside of North America. Um, uh-huh. It started uh, with a strong focus on uh, wellness. It actually introduced uh, the world wellness uh, to the fitness industry over 20 years ago. So it's Technogym, the wellness company, uh, focus, uh, focuses on uh, uh, the perfect uh, balance between movement, nutrition, and mental approach, uh, and has uh, let's move for a better world as uh, its uh, uh, main uh, uh, drive and uh, company motto. We promote wellness uh, products and services that are available to people uh, wherever and whenever they want. Um, and we we have about uh, uh, equipment in 65,000 wellness centers and uh, over 100,000 homes uh, worldwide. Wow. That's great. And it's funny because many people may think that technology and fitness are mutually exclusive, but technology can be an effective tool to help your customers get a better workout. I'd love to learn more about my run specifically. Is this the high-tech treadmill that Technogym has? Absolutely. Technogym uh, uh, is focused on technology, was focused on technology throughout its uh, 30 years uh, uh, career. So uh, technology is in everything we do. The MyRun is uh, uh, a highly sophisticated uh, uh, treadmill for uh, home use. Uh, it's designed by runner for uh, uh, runners, uh, and it's uh, the first uh, uh, treadmill that uh, uh, combines uh, a specific app designed for the product with uh, 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 Treadmill that has a small displacement can fit uh, easily in uh, every apartment, even in a small uh, apartment in Toronto or uh, in Montreal, um, but gives you a wealth of uh, personalized training information. Uh, it measures uh, the cadence, uh, it measures the stride length, uh, the displacement of your run, uh, so that while running you can actually uh, improve your performance, uh, you can uh, uh, reduce the displacement and therefore run in a more efficient way. Um, and uh, um, as uh, the app comes with uh, a series of programs designed again by Olympic runners to improve, uh, uh, to prepare for a 5K, for a 10K, all the way up to a, a marathon, actually. Um, it has, uh, um, it is set up to use with an iPad, so it doesn't come with a screen that reduces both the cost of the product and uh, the, uh, the space that it requires uh, and allows you also to uh, bring your own music with you. And one of the really cool features um, that helps uh, uh, motivate uh, the, the runner uh, is that uh, it synchronizes, uh, depending on your uh, cadence when you're running, uh, the, um, 
the app chooses uh, uh, the music that keeps the same cadence and uh, kicks you through all the way to the end of uh, the running mm. exercise. Oh, yeah. And it's true that music is very motivating. That's what gets me uh, going when I do go. It's not always that often. But yeah, when I'm on the treadmill, it's, it's you know, the upbeat uh, music, whether it's hard rock or dance music, EDM, it's something that I, I rely on. But it's it's really interesting that this is deeply embedded in the experience overall through the app. My Runs Techno Gym is more than a treadmill, the company says. It's the first solution for running that seamlessly integrates a treadmill and a native app that syncs to your tablet. And it's designed to offer you the ultimate running experience with personalized training programs and instant running feedback. This should improve the way that you run forever. We are chatting on the line with Marco Zambianchi. Thanks for your time uh, again, especially as it's a weekend. You're, you're telling us all about Techno Gym, the company, and then the My Run program. So this is a high-tech treadmill for the home. This isn't something that you're selling to health clubs? Uh, no, this is uh, purely for uh, the home user. We have uh, uh, a plethora of uh, other treadmills that uh, uh, we're selling for, uh, for the gym. But this is really thought for the runner that uh, really wants to... Uh, uh, either run at home because uh, uh, it's too cold outside or complement the running uh, outside with the running inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really thought for uh, different levels of, uh, uh, of runners, uh, from the beginner all the way to the very advanced. I was going to ask you who this was for. Was this for those who are training for a marathon or could it be for those just starting out who want to uh, get their heart going a few times a week and try to lose some weight? You know, there's uh, uh, because of uh, the uh, pervasive use of technology with the, uh, the MyRun, there's different features uh, that are more useful for different people. If you are a beginner um, and you don't really know what uh, the right cadence is, uh, you don't know um, how to run efficiently, you can check the displacement, which means how high you come when you're running and how much energy you're actually losing because of a non-efficient uh, running uh, um, mechanism um, so you can see and you can uh, since you get continuous feedback you can improve uh, over time uh, you can you have ready to use programs that take you from uh, a 1k run all the way slowly to a 5k uh, as a beginner you can mm-hmm. also walk uh, on it a lot of people that have never really run a lot uh, uh, with the treadmills that, that don't have an adaptive surface uh, get uh, injury, knee pain, uh, um, possibly. And the, the, with the Myran, they would never have that. At the same time, the same characteristics of the adaptive surface uh, and of the response allow people to uh, run for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours on it. Uh, you can train all the way for marathons. Um, you have uh, programs that create interval training uh, that allows you to use, to improve your uh, uh, threshold when running. So uh, by measuring your heart rate and uh, the speed that you're running and the cadence uh, develops uh, interval training to, uh, to improve your speed and your resistance. So it really is for uh, different levels of, uh, of runners. How much is My Run Techno Gym and what website can we learn more about the product? Um, the the te- the, um, the my run sells for uh, three thousand nine hundred and ninety US dollars. Uh, and the best uh, place to look at is the technogym dot uh, uh, com website. Um, so you can you can find all about uh, the product uh, there. 
Okay, technogym.com, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-Y-M.com. Marco yeah. Zambianchi, thank you very much for your time. Have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you very much, Mark. All righty. Boy, I hope I didn't butcher his name. Okay, we will be right back with more Tech Talk. Stick with us. Welcome back to Tech Talk, everyone. This show is brought to you by the all-new next-generation Chevrolet Equinox, the right vehicle to experience it all in style. Learn more about it at chevrolet.ca. And be sure to check out all the tech that this vehicle has under the hood, including support for Wi-Fi, 4G LTE hotspots, as well as CarPlay, Android Auto, some high-tech safety features, and more. Before I get to our next guest, it is now time for our I Want That segment. I Want That is brought to you by The Source and thesource.ca. This week, it's the sleek 13.5-inch Microsoft Surface laptop for $19.99 at thesource and thesource.ca. Go beyond the traditional laptop with Surface Laptop, backed by the best of Microsoft, including Windows and Office. Enjoy a natural typing and trackpad experience enhanced by their signature Alcantara fabric-covered keyboard. Thin, light, and powerful, it fits easily in your bag. The power to do what you want with great battery life, up to 14 and a half hours hours of video playback, in fact, tested by Microsoft back in April 2017. This Windows 10 S device is powered by an Intel Core i7 processor, 256 gigabytes of SSD, a solid state drive, 8 gigs of RAM, and ample ports. Sold separately, Microsoft Surface Pen lets you write and draw directly on the screen. More info on this 13.5 inch Microsoft Surface laptop for $19.99 is at thesource and thesource.ca. I Want That is brought to you by The Source and thesource.ca. It goes without saying, parents only want the best for their children in life, be it in relationships and business, and of course, making their mark in this world. As a parent of three kids myself, I can relate to this. I often think, what more can I do to better my kids' chances of excelling in their personal and professional lives? Now, on the work front, I want my kids to embrace technology because I know the doors it will open for them in the future. And so I was intrigued when I heard about the Knowledge Society, a first-of-its-kind after-school accelerator program for students ages 13 through 17, dedicated to grooming the next generation of Steve Jobs and Elon Musk's of the world. How, you ask? Let's find out. Joining us on the line to discuss is Nadim Nathu, Executive Director at the Knowledge Society. Thanks for your time, Nadim, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us, what is the Knowledge Society, or TKS for short? So TKS is the institution where young people go to to train to be Olympic-level thought leaders, innovators, and CEOs. As you mentioned, we work with young people 13 to 17, expose them to next-gen topics and emerging topics like artificial intelligence, virtual reality, cryptocurrency, uh, alternative energy, the things that are going to be the most relevant five to 10 plus years from now. The whole intention behind that is if you're a young person who's incredibly curious, who's incredibly ambitious, who wants to change the world and impact the future, you're going to need to have a sense of what that future look like, looks like in order to do it. And what we found was no real institution like that existed before. And so we thought, let's just create it. That's awesome. You know, it's it's funny because there's a disconnect right now. We have a three-year high youth unemployment rate. There's a lot of 20-somethings lying around their parents' house on, on the couch, not doing much. 
Uh, yet, right. I- ironically, there are tens of thousands of unfilled IT jobs. So clearly, we're not graduating enough kids who are qualified to work in these jobs of tomorrow, which are which exist today, but are only going to get more and more uh, important. Like you said, the ones that include engineering, like things like robotics and computers, coding, programming, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. So clearly, we need to do more than uh, than what we're doing now because we have these unfilled tech jobs. Yet we've got all these kids who are unemployed. So was that right. sort of sort of the impetus for the for the Knowledge Society is to to qualify more of these kids? Well, what we've noticed is that the current system is lagging very far behind, right? No matter which way you slice it. I speak to a lot of schools across North America. And a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at a school and I noticed they were using the same textbook I was using in high school, oh, right? Boy. 10 plus years ago. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. And it was a science textbook, right? And so science has definitely changed, right? There's been breakthroughs in genetic engineering and life sciences, and yet, we're still being taught or our young people are still being taught very much traditional avenues and traditional structures and traditional content. And so what was really important for us was to create an institution where we can be a lot more forward thinking, where we can train young people around the knowledge and around the skills to really be successful in the future and add value, not, not just sustain value, right? And do things that we were told to do. You mentioned Jobs are changing, right? New industries are being created. And so it's really about how we can keep up with that and really unlock the potential of young people. Mm-hmm. I know there was an initiative, an initiative uh, about uh, making coding the Canada's third official language. I don't know where we are on that or <laughs> if that's too far to make it official. And we're not even yet at the point where it's part of the curriculum um, based on the province that you're in. So at least, thankfully, there are organizations like the Knowledge Society that's an after-school extracurricular program to help students age 13 through 17 um, get their footing in, in tech so that could better their chances going forward. So what are some of the projects that students at TKS have created so far? We've ran five cohorts across three cities. So we've operated in Calgary, San Francisco, and Toronto. We're recently building, or we've started to build, a physical center in Toronto on Richmond and Bathurst that's going to completely rival um, you know, all other learning institutions. We've invested a lot in this. And the reason why I bring that up is because in such a short time, in three months for, of our last cohort, the learning environment matters a lot. So in a short period of time, in three months, given this learning environment, given the people, we've seen projects come out of it, like two young people working on next generation medical imaging technology that gets to a 20 times deeper level of granularity at least than traditional MRI machines and can image sub-tissue. So now with that, in theory, you can physiologically detect mental health issues, which we couldn't do before. That's one. We have uh, a few young ladies who are 14 years old uh, trying to cure quote-unquote allergies, right, and have made a lot of headway into that. We have this young girl who's 13 competing, competing in an international IoT competition, Internet of Things, in the least sort of sexy area, which is IoT security, and she's in the finals, and she's 13. Oh, that's right? great. People building virtual reality, artificial, or um, augmented reality applications for drones. Really cool things. So it's not just a one-off thing. We're seeing that this works. And by the way, these young people aren't coming in as geniuses at the beginning, right? We really look for two things, a high level of intellectual curiosity and a desire to learn. 
that's really all it is. And it's really about how can we harness this potential? How can we motivate them, expose them to the right area of content, get them to find their passion early so that they can, in fact, do big things, right? We're chatting with Nadim Nathu, Executive Director at The Knowledge Society. And I'm glad that you brought up some examples with uh, young girls that are, are making a difference here, young women, because uh, it's no secret that STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math studies, is largely dominated by men or, or boys. And then in the job space in Canada, that's very much the same thing. It's a boys-only club virtually. It's 16% women only. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. So obviously there's a gender. Uh, disparity there. So I'm glad to hear that the Knowledge Society is helping young girls get more engaged with STEM um, uh, at, the, at that age, especially. It's a really important mandate for us because if you look at sort of undergraduate institutions and engineering sciences and a bunch of these post-secondary institutions, um, you'll see percentages like 12% young ladies. And what's funny is just anecdotally, if I tell you, if I ask a 13 or 14-year-old in the program, right? Do you feel any pressure to not be in STEM or do you feel like you can do less or there's an inequality? And they say no, right? When they're young, they're like, I can do just as much as anybody else. But when you ask the older uh, ladies, they're like, yeah, I am starting to feel the pressure. You know, I feel like I should be going to certain fields. And so it's really important. We start this and we stimulate this innovation mm -hmm. mentality at a younger age, right? When you're 13, 14, 12, 11 because right now we're doing that too late. And I think that's one of the solutions to drive getting more young ladies involved. Awesome, Nadim. Where can our listeners learn more about the Knowledge Society? So you can go to www.thek, as in the letter K, society.com. Uh, and you can also go to our Facebook page, the Knowledge Society, to get all the upcoming information on when we're launching our next program and the conference that we're hosting in August. Awesome. Nadim Nathu, Executive Director at the Knowledge Society. Thank you for your time and keep up the good work. We'll be back momentarily for our last segment on this weekend's Tech Talk show. Thank you again for tuning in to News Talk 1010. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Tech Talk is brought to you by Bell. Enjoy a complete wireless setup for all of your TVs and put them where you want. All you need is a power outlet. Only with Bell 5 TV. Visit bell.ca slash 5 TV for details. If you think virtual reality is only for video gamers, think again. Among other applications, VR is also for music lovers who want to experience being in one place when perhaps you're, I don't know, stuck at home. And Bell has recently partnered with Arnuvo, a leading VR production and technology development studio, to record and share songs from a Pink concert at the recent Quebec City Summer Festival. This is the first time an international artist has had a performance in Canada featured through virtual reality. Joining us on the line to tell us all about it is Sebastian Ebesher, president of Montreal's Arnuvo. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure. Likewise, before we talk about this pink concert uh, last week, tell us about your VR work at Arnuvo. So basically, Arnuvo is uh, like a VR experience or immersive experience uh, creation uh, studio but it's also a technology company, like uh, developing uh, efficient workflow uh, for live, live VR uh, experience. So uh, we've been active so far in the last year um, doing uh, production of events like concert. We've done a lot of concert. We've done uh, sports. Uh, we've done uh, like the World Junior uh, Hockey Championship in live uh, in January, the first event to be, uh, to be done uh, in live VR. 
so yes, we are about like um, capturing uh, great content, uh, event in art and sports, uh, and other special events like Obama. I'm sure that's no easy task. I mean, it's one thing to have multiple cameras and microphones to record virtual reality content for consumption later, but to actually be broadcasting that live, I mean, that must be a technical challenge. Um, So kudos to you for being able to straddle the line between technology and art you know it's a real uh it's very Thanks. difficult to do that no doubt so this was uh, you did the world junior so it w- if someone put on a headset at home last december it was if they were at the hockey game even though they may be on their lazy boy chair in their family room exactly that actually we were like we had two cameras for the for that production and you were second row uh like uh, it was at bell center uh, in montreal and it was packed sold out and you were there, like second row, enjoying the ambience, enjoying the game, like uh, just close to you. So it was a, a good experience. We're super happy about that. Mm-hmm. And now we, we moved on to do a concert. We did the Francofolie uh, Music Festival in Montreal three weeks ago and, and Pink uh, last week. So this is radio. So it's very difficult to explain what virtual reality is for those who have not yet experienced it. But essentially, it's a headset that you put on. There's a screen in front of each eye. So it's a 360 degree video that is tied to head tracking. So wherever you move your head in real life, up, down, left and right, even behind you, whatever you're looking at in this virtual world, it's as if you're seeing it out of those eyes and you're right there. Is that is that a fair way of explaining it? Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. And actually, it's really hard to explain, and you did a great job. But basically, what we have is like we use a camera with eight lens, uh, lenses pointing in a different direction, capturing all the environment around the camera. And what we do is we take the eight different images that, that are captured and we stitch them together. And afterwards, that forms a, a bubble, a video bubble, basically, that we put the spectator in uh, once they have the headset. So wherever you're looking at, uh, you're going to see something like you were there because everything was captured. The real challenge of doing uh, live VR is taking those aid image and stitching them uh, in real time because it requires a lot of processing. Oh, no doubt. Power. The thing is, like, it's really that feeling of having that human scale and being at a place that you're not, but feeling like really feeling like you're there. I, I think you did a great job because it is hard to describe it using words. It's one of those things you need to experience yourself to understand. So that's, that's what is the, 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 the way we capture VR. And it's the same thing for sound. We have eight mics uh, capturing in all directions, and we are able to do like ambisonic sound. So basically, uh, sound is positioned in space. So when you turn and we track the head and you turn the head, uh, you're going to feel uh, that it sounds different, exactly like, like it does in real life. That's awesome. Yeah, because I know that one of the first times I tried virtual reality a couple of years ago it was a dinosaur simulation. And uh, not only did it look like the dinosaur wasn't coming at me with stereoscopic 3D, so I had that sense of depth to it. But the audio is also spatialized. So it just like in real life, you can you're, with your two ears, you can hear where the sound is coming from. And, yeah. and sense movement as well, such as exactly. uh, such as a dinosaur creeping up behind you. Uh, so yeah. you, you turn around in your chair in real life, 
And yeah. uh, when you turn your head in the game, the dinosaur is there as well. So uh, that's a, a great uh, example of, of making you feel like you're there because it's not just with sight, but it's also with sound and head tracking as well. A lot of the experiments we did earlier um, are using sound as the indication and the cue to uh, the viewer on like where where there's something new or there's something happening. Uh, that's our cue. After that, it's up to the spectator to decide if he wants to look or not. But right. we're going to use the specialized sound uh, to give a cue that, oh, maybe there's something out of the field of view uh, that is happening that you could be interested in. We're chatting with Sebastian Abesher, president of Montreal's Art Nouveau. We're talking about this pink concert uh, that took place at the recent Quebec City Summer Festival, where in partnership with Bell, Art Nouveau uh, recorded and broadcasted the first three songs in VR, in virtual reality. Is that correct? It was the first three songs of Pink Set? Exactly. That's exactly that. That's so, the, 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 the agreement we had with uh, the artist. So what uh, do people need in order to experience this? Is it too late? Was it like live streamed? Or can people now who are listening experience these three songs through Pink with a VR headset? For now, uh, it was only when it was live. uh, But we have a lot of requests uh, about having it uh, in uh, non-live. So we're going to see. We're going to see what's going to happen. But for now, it's only you had to be there. at that moment, but maybe later we're going to have a, a good surprise. Are you able to share with us what you're working on next so it won't be too late for our listeners to tune in? Our, our next project that is going to come out is not a light, but it's going to be super interesting because for us it was a benchmark like in terms of audio, uh, specialized, uh, specialized audio. It's the Montreal Symphonic Orchestra, and that's going to be great because uh, it was captured with three cams. So basically, you're going to be able to choose between the three different positions. But one of them is just beside the conductor, like uh, Maestro Nagano. There's another position where you are directly in the orchestra. And finally, there's one from, from the stand. So basically, it's, it's giving like three different like positions and three different experiences. But the one that you just beside Maestro Nagano is really impressive. So we're really looking forward to, to see how people are going to uh, feel about it. Going forward, what do people need in order to experience the virtual reality that you're recording, whether it's at a World Juniors hockey game last December or the Pink concert yeah. last week? So far, what we've been uh, concentrating on is to, uh, we focused on the Samsung uh, Samsung Gear VR headset uh, because of uh, uh, different reasons. Uh, it's simple, uh, it's accessible, uh, so and it's high quality. Also, it's a it's a good uh, VR headset. So we 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 put our effort in there. So it means that people need basically to have uh, Galaxy uh, family phone S S eight uh, seven or six or Galaxy Note five and uh, the Samsung Gear VR headset that is about uh, hundred bucks. Yeah, it's about 100 bucks. It's less if it's the first generation of the Galaxy Gear VR, which will still exactly. work. Or a little over yeah. 100 for the newer one, which just has a few extra little bells and whistles. Overall, aggressively priced compared to some of the high-end ones like Oculus Rift and HTC Vive, yeah. and even PlayStation yeah. VR for that matter. Did Pink know about this? Did she herself approve it or watch it? Yeah, she she had to approve. Uh, she, she knows about it. And actually, we're super happy that uh, Pink was willing to, to, to do that kind of experience. But, but right now, it's some kind of a trend. Like you had Gorillaz uh, doing one experience there not so long ago also uh, in live. 
And I think that the, the artists with vision, they're going to at least be curious and, and, and try to or explore uh, with the technology to see where it can go in, in the future. Because I think there's a lot, a lot of potential to it. It's a new way to access uh, the content mm-hmm. um, and to uh, democratize uh, culture and entertainment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where it's going to go. But I think the artists with vision right now, they, they, they're going to at least give it a, give it a shot and mm-hmm. try. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Sebastian, where could our listeners learn more about Art Nouveau and uh, what you may be working on going forward? Uh, Art Nouveau, there's a website, uh, www.artnouveau.com. Um, so there's a bit of information. We're not like the loudest company. <laughs> we are. Uh, we were super like uh, undercover until uh, recently. Uh, we also we also present on Facebook, LinkedIn, and and and, and Twitter. So okay. that's the place we can find it. And the spelling for the website is A R N O O V O. Yeah, dot com. Great, Sebastian Abacher, president of Arnavo. Thank you so much for your time and continued successes. Thanks to you, Mark. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed tonight's show. We first caught up with Scott Steinberg, a journalist and author who has a new book coming out about social media for parents. I know a few people who could use that. After that, we talked about new high-tech fitness equipment from Techno Gym. Then we spoke with the Knowledge Society about getting kids more engaged in STEM studies to get a well-paying high-tech job. And finally, we caught up with a Montreal-based VR developer called Arnouveau about a pink concert that was broadcasted live in virtual reality in partnership with Bell. Tech Talk is brought to you by the all-new next-generation Chevrolet Equinox, the right vehicle to experience it all in style. Learn more about it at chevrolet.ca. And again, that's the Chevy Equinox. Well, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you for tuning in to Tech Talk, my 101st program on News Talk 1010. And speaking of News Talk 1010, keep your dial locked and loaded right here because coming up is the TED Radio Hour. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll speak to you next weekend on Tech Talk. Bye-bye for now.